Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available. Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have back the CEO, Bill Crosland from Thermal Energy International. Thermal Energy trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol TMG and on the OTC under TMGEF. The company is currently trading at 11 cents with roughly 164 million shares outstanding or about an $18 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andriola. Uh, thanks a lot, Trevor. Um, uh, happy to have uh, Bill back. Uh, you, you're a veteran with us now. I think this is the third or fourth time uh, you've been with us, but uh, great to have you back uh, for an update. Um, thermal energy, the word energy, of course, is on everybody's lips right now. So, um, you know, perhaps pretty timing or timely uh, to have you on board here. Uh, but Bill, before we get into any sort of updates, um, refresh everybody's memory, tell everybody what uh, thermal energy is all about. Yeah, thanks, Paul and Trevor. I, I will do that. And thank you, everybody, for your continued interest. I know some of you have probably heard the story, but I'll go through it very quickly anyways, just to refresh your memory. It's, it's been a while. So, uh, you know, as Paul said, Thermal Energy International, we're, we're in the energy efficiency and carbon emission reduction business. We're a proven profitable provider of carbon reduction solutions, primarily to very large multinational customers. So our, our customers are some of the world's largest companies uh, where we've sold multiple, uh, multiple sites, multiple orders. So the standard forward-looking statement. Uh, so just a quick compelling uh, investment. So investment summary, fast-growing global market with very strong fundamentals. And as you can probably guess, they've gotten even better. They got a lot better as a result of COVID. They're getting even better now as a result of the political situation in Europe. So virtually every company in every country has very aggressive carbon emission reduction targets and significantly increasing costs in energy and carbon. Um, so in short, for us, the market is building back better. Uh, but even before that, we were an established company prior to COVID with uh, some very solid results, 30 plus compound annual growth rate over five years, right up to, to the, the COVID situation, extensive multinational client base, 80% of our business is repeat orders with those customers. And we've continued to build the business throughout COVID so that we can emerge stronger. And so we're building thermal energy back better. And despite all that, the, the valuation just keeps getting better. Uh, the stock has trailed off over the last year, you know, a fair bit. Um, you know, my, my premise is we are, we are building back better to exceed our results in pre pandemic levels. If you, you know, if you, uh, if you look at what we're trading at compared to our pre COVID levels, and I'll show you how we're quickly, we're getting back there very quickly. Um, it's about 7.7 times enterprise value to pre COVID revenue. So the valuation is building back better as well. So that's the theme building back better. Um, Okay, so very quickly what we do, just to refresh your memory, we design, engineer, and deliver innovative and custom carbon emission reduction and sustainable energy solutions for very large multinational companies. Um, most of our projects are based on our, our own proprietary technology, a growing suite of proprietary techno technologies. We wanna provide our customers whatever they need, regardless of the technology, so we keep adding to it. So we have a good complementary base of technologies you can see here. Uh, you know, we started the company with, with Fluace. We acquired Gem about 10 years ago and Dryrex about 10 years ago. And then 
2018, we added the boiler room equipment, the stuff in orange, and then just this past year, we added SOFEM uh, in 2021. Historically, and this is pre-COVID, about 70% of our revenue was a turnkey solution. That's where we develop, we design it, we implement a total turnkey package for the customer with guaranteed performance. That was about 70% of revenue. The, um, it's currently only about 50%. Custom equipment was the other part where, where the, the client just wants the piece of equipment. They don't want us to develop the project. They don't want us to implement it. That used to be 30%. It's about, uh, sorry, it says they're currently 50, 30%. It should say currently about 50%. It's about 50-50. We're going to show you that the custom equipment has continued to grow very nicely throughout, um, throughout COVID. Um, the order uh, to revenue lead times is anywhere from about three to 12 to 24 months for, for turnkey solutions. Three months to six months for custom equipment, you know, one to two years for turnkey solutions. And all of our projects are developed in partnership with the customer. This, we're a sole source delivery model, so we have to develop close relationships with all our customers, rarely involved in competitive pitches, maybe at the start of the relationship, but after that, you know, we prove our worth and after that it's we're developing um, with them. And it really is sustainability that pays for itself. Paybacks of between two to five years, uh, you know, compelling ROI because these projects have a very long life. They'll last as long as the plant is there. And those that two to five year payback is before the recent changes in the energy market and the car, the carbon markets. Um, so this is the this is the more recent stuff. Dramatically improving fundamentals. You know, you know, for the last twelve months, we've seen some pretty improvement in improvements in our market, primarily because people were aggressively reducing carbon. They wanted to address, uh, you know, climate change and carbon emissions, and they were um, aggressively reducing aggressive carbon emission reduction targets. But more recently, it's really been energy prices. So you can see on the graph on the right hand side. Um, you know, you've got Europe on the top. Europe's the nat price of natural gas in Europe has increased about 10 times, so a thousand percent over the last 12 months. Now, obviously, a lot of that is very recent as a result of the th situation, but even before that, um, it was up more than a hundred percent year over year. Uh, North America is about two times, so up about 100% uh, year over year. You can see, I just have to move the pictures. You can see that, uh, you know, it spiked up. But even before that, the, the prices of, of natural gas, which is primarily what we save our customers, is natural gas, had gone up pretty significantly and even more so now. You know, and the news just came out today that Europe has plans to reduce their dependence on Russian natural gas. Overall, the continent gets about 40 to 50% of their gas from Russia. And they have a target to reduce that by Russian gas by two thirds in the short, in the very short order. And really they're gonna do that. One of the main ways they're gonna do that is energy efficiency and, and reduction projects, just like we're doing. On top of that, you got increasing costs of carbon, whether it's the EU carbon markets or whether it's in Canada or whether it's some of the, the exchanges in, in the US, they seem to be trending even before they were the, the, the recent political instability, they were trending towards about a hundred bucks a ton. Um, that seems to be where they're going. And at a hundred dollars a ton, that improves the paybacks of our projects on average about 50%. So again, returns the, or the ROI on our projects by about 50%. So you've got, you know, build it back better, increasing energy costs, increasing carbon costs, and then also increasing demand for ESG investing from investors. So, you know, for, from our standpoint, the business case for energy efficiency and carbon emission reduction solutions, you know, really has never been better. We, you will notice, you know, the, the price of carbon in the carbon markets, the, the EU carbon markets have slipped off a little bit as a result of the political situation, which makes sense because they realize if the natural gas prices are really high, 
people are going to be reducing their use of natural gas and carbon anyway, so they don't need that extra incentive. So the price of the carbon offsets has actually decreased a little bit, still up about 100% from where it was uh, uh, a year ago. So this is where we operate. Our, you know, we've, we've done projects in uh, six different continents, anywhere that's a green country, that's where we've sold our product or done projects. But our our strategic focus is North America and Europe. You know, there's there's lots of opportunity for us right there. Um, interestingly enough, we should this. You know, I need to update this uh, map because we we just recently did a project in Russia, and we mm. just got paid two uh, two weeks ago. So knock on wood, that one worked out worked out very well. But that was for for an existing client, one of the world's largest brewers, who we had done a number of projects. So we did that project for them. So while our strategic focus is North America and Europe. We'll go wherever our clients want us to, but we're not actively seeking business in those markets. And we're continuing to, to grow. So, you know, just before the pandemic, we added, you know, people in the US Gulf Coast, Germany and Poland. In 2021, last year, we added a second German sales office. And just a couple of months ago, we added a French sales office. We see a lot of opportunity uh, in both North America and especially Europe, um, because the, the energy prices and carbon prices are much higher in Europe. Um, yeah, I've seen, you've seen this before. There's not a lot new in this slide, but just to, to emphasize, you know, I mentioned we focus on very large clients and that's done intentionally, very large customers. And because, you know, these customers have hundreds of sites around the world. So a strong opportunity for reoccurring revenue. So we want to sell multiple products to multiple sites. Uh, you know, once we've sold one product to one site, we want to sell multiple products and then go from site to site. So over the last five years, 57% of our, our orders and revenue has come from eight key corporate accounts. Um, and, uh, you know, so far we've, we've sold product um, to 78 of these customers' uh, sites. That sounds like a lot, except, you know, just to give you a sense of scale, these, these guys have about 800 manufacturing sites worldwide. So it's like 10%. Um, and so across the bottom is just the recent orders. So I, I won't go into a lot of detail. You've heard it there, but it's a lot of food and beverage very non most most of our business in non cyclical food and beverage hospitals pharmaceutical food and beverage is by far uh, the largest segment for us mainly because it is a big a huge sector and because they need a lot of heat and energy you know to sterilize the food to cook the food to wash um and you know diversified across north america and europe and you can sort of see the, the paybacks there anywhere project sizes sort of one to two and a half million payback from two to four years diversified between europe and north america um, this is an example of a, you know, a, a global nutrition company. Again, just to give you an example, two things I want to highlight here. Number one, you know, how this company has turned to us several times now. So back in September, we announced this order with this global nutrition company. It was a, about a million dollars for a turnkey solution. This project happened to be in Poland. Um, but so far, we've received about $5 million in orders from this company from 10 different sites. They have 150 manufacturing sites worldwide. This project, it saves, you know, is about a million dollars. It saves about $300,000 annually in energy. So that's about a three-year payback. But the carbon reduction in the market they're in, in Poland, was worth about $400,000 in incentives up front. So, you know, the three-year three payback goes down to a 1.7-year payback when you take into account the, the value of the carbon. Um, so you know, with our growing suite of unique turnkey solutions and compelling return on investment, growing multinational customer base, We've got growing, reoccurring revenue, not not recurring revenue, but reoccurring. Like I said, 80% of our business is uh, is from those same clients. 
So what makes us unique? It's the pro unique proprietary products, the ability to design, engineer, deliver, install, and train. So first of all, we do know of other companies that might have similar type technologies. We don't know of anyone that has the whole suite like we do, and we don't know of anyone that does it all where they provide the product and they, uh, they do the turnkey solution. You put those two things together, it's a compelling carbon emission and energy savings with strong payback. And we've got strong relationships. At the bottom, in short, our customers come back to us because we help them get projects done on time, on budget, quickly and efficiently with guaranteed performance. They want to get a project done quickly. Um, that's why they come to us because we've proven our abilities to develop those projects and implement those projects on time, on budget with guaranteed performance. Um, been executing this the same track record, uh, the same uh, successful growth strategy, really three pillars to it leverage our high quality customer base, increase our portfolio of, of complementary products. We can sell more to those customers and grow the team in the global presence. And that's what we've been doing for the last uh, five, five years. So we did have about a 31% compound annual growth rate right up to the pandemic. We did a couple of acquisitions I mentioned, but we still have a very solid acquisition platform that's still on, uh, on the horizon for us because what we found we're pretty unique in, in having Two things, number one, an established sales and engineering platform in both North America and Europe and direct relationships with our customers. Most of the companies that have similar sort of technology to us are selling through an agent or, or, a, or a rep or an ESCO. We have a direct relationship with the customers and those tend to be the best. And we've got a strong balance sheet with, uh, with net cash on the balance sheet and proven profitability and cash flow historically. So just to show you what's, what's happened, um, you know, recently because COVID has impacted us. There's no, there's no question. Impact is pretty significantly, but you can see on the revenue side, 31% compound annual growth rate right up to before COVID. Um, but then it took a dip and how did it, where did it take a dip? Primarily in the turnkey solutions. When you think about our turnkey projects, they require a lot of travel from our salespeople to sell a lot of travel from our engineers to, to develop and engineer and our project management team to implement. So those were the project and they're big projects. So they were mostly, in, they were, had the, the COVID had the greatest impact on them, the travel restrictions, the site lockdowns, companies focused on other things. Uh, you know, but despite COVID, we ended 2020 with record, still with record revenue um, of about um, uh, $21 million, 20, annual revenue. And, you know, for 2021, revenue dipped to about $15 million. The key is turnkey solutions were down 48%, but custom equipment was actually in the heat of COVID was still up about 5 to 10%. So custom equipment continues to grow very well. Cash and working capital remain strong. So we're in a very strong position to continue our track record of growth. So just to highlight a little bit here on custom equipment, just to see what's, uh, what has been happening. You can see that uh, the order intake is growing very nicely. So again, last 12 month order intake is 54% of our pre-pandemic levels, which was, was our previous record, 44% ahead of 2020. So you can see the order intake is going up very nicely. The revenue is increasing, but not quite as, as well. And that's primarily because of, you may have heard there's labor shortages, there's material shortages. So, you know, we've got this huge backlog waiting for us, waiting to ship out the door. We might just be missing one part here, one part there. So it will come through. Um, everybody's being faced by the same issue. Customers are not concerned about it, but you know, they want us to get it out. So you can see orders are growing strongly. Revenue is growing, but not as strong as orders. And therefore the backlog is up, uh, you know, stronger than it's ever been. And, uh, you know, we, we will work our way through that.
On the turnkey solutions, the turnkey projects is a little bit different. So while project development activity levels are exceeding the pre-pandemic levels, um, the revenue hasn't yet caught up because it's a fairly long sales cycle. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, our turnkey solutions require significant site visits to sell, to develop, to engineer, and to implement. A sales cycle is typically for a big project about two years um, and then another year to implement. So it's about one year to, to, uh, for project development. And then once you've developed the project, it's about a year to, to, uh, to get the order. So one year to, de to sell the project development. But the good news is, you know, our level of project uh, development, paid project developments, where the customers are paying us to develop projects for them, is higher than it's ever been. And it's 55% higher than it was the pre-pandemic. So again, this is a big, you know, backlog of opportunity that's building up, um, that's starting to break. All of our customers are much more interested now in, in carbon emission reductions and energy savings than they have ever been before. And, and that's showing in, in uh, record levels of project development, which eventually will hit the income statement. Um, so just very quickly, the, you know, the, the capital structure recent, you know, you can see the stock charts, not an impressive stock chart for the last year, but probably not too dissimilar from a lot of other companies in the, the renewable and sustainable space. The, a lot of companies sort of peaked out in sort of April last year when people thought the pandemic was going to be over shortly and, and it isn't, it's sort of dragged on and on. Um, you know, so 11 cents is where it's trading at now, down significantly, obviously, from our high. Uh, as, as I mentioned, that results in about an $18 million market cap and about an $18 million enterprise value. Um, enterprise value to pre-COVID revenue is only 0.7, but even with COVID revenue, we're only at 1.4 times revenue. Uh, so still a pretty good valuation, even with the reduced revenues. Um, uh, you know, Paul mentioned about 160 million shares outstanding. I own about 4%. I've purchased all of that in the open market. All, well, not all of it, but probably 95% of it in the open market. 5% might have been a few options, but almost all of it has been purchased in the open market. Same with that 9% that's owned by management directors. There's no founders of the company left. The company's been around for a long time. So that entire 9% has been purchased on the open market. So, um, you know, people are act, the investor, the directors and management have actively invested in the company. So why invest now? The world's never been more committed to reducing carbon emissions and energy, that's for sure. We are continue to be in a perfect position to help our multinational customers achieve their increasingly aggressive carbon reduction targets. And we're well on our way to returning to pre-COVID levels of performance. Um, you know, so that's, that's my investment thesis. If you believe we can get back to the COVID levels of performance, um, and I believe we can, then it's a pretty compelling investment opportunity because our valuation doesn't reflect either our proven growth and profitability, our, 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 the significant market improvements, or the current levels of activity. So in short, proven profitable growth story, compelling valuation. And that's about it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Bill. Um, Lots of questions I want to ask, but I want to remind everybody that's listening, um, feel free to use your chat function to ask Bill a question, and I'll, uh, I'll do my best to ask uh, uh, for you guys. Um, why, why don't we just jump right into it? I mean, energy, like I said at the top of the, the show here, uh, energy is obviously in everybody's mind right now. Um, you, you clearly, you help customers, you know, save money and save energy costs. Um, and, but Europe is the epicenter of everything that's going on right now. How, how much How much of your business, or maybe more importantly, how much of your sort of backlog is, is Europe? Um, 
Roughly, it's about 50%. And but Europe is a strategic growth market for us. So that's where we've been adding people. Uh, you know, as I think I mentioned the presentation in a lot of our growth over the last couple of years has been focused on, on Europe, especially. Um, and uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what the how much of the backlog, but I know Europe is outperforming North America pretty significantly last year in terms of in terms of revenue. But sorry, Paul, I could I could get you that number, but off the top of my head, I don't, I don't I also, know. I, I, I know, think, yeah, I know historically it's been about fifty, and I also know in the last year Europe has probably has significantly outperformed uh, North America. Yeah, yeah, no, perfect. I mean that that's exactly it. I mean, a substantial amount of your business is coming from you know, the, the sort of the, the world hotspot now for, for energy conservation, if, if anything. Um, I mean, the, the last several weeks here obviously have been um, pretty volatile and pretty sort of, you know, game-changing uh, in a lot of ways. Um, have you seen anything in the last several weeks that, that, that change anything? Is there more inquiries? Is there less inquiries? Are there more issues around being able to get people on the ground in certain spots or you, know, you mentioned you just closed a, a deal in, in Russia. I mean, anything that you can talk to because of what's happening in, in Europe right now. Yeah. I mean, we haven't, we haven't seen yet. I don't think it's, it, it's so recent. It's so new, you know, this spike in, in energy prices. And I don't think we've seen yet inquiries increase as a result of the current situation. But I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, because they're going to start, you know, some of our, I was talking the other day, uh, you know, a couple of our, just a couple of our sales guys looked at their own home energy bills and it was twice what it was last year. You know, they just got the bill and he said, I'm making my bill and it's twice what it was last year. You know, so that is going to filter down uh, to our customers. Um, but even before the more recent, uh, you know, turmoil, we were seeing our customers very aggressively want us to go to more, more sites than they did before. Um, we're also starting to see, you know, historically, we've always offered to do the projects for our customer. This has been something we've always wanted to do where we do the project, we sell them the energy back, uh, you know, an energy as a service model. Um, and they've never taken us up on it because they always look at it and they go, well, wait a minute, well, I can buy it for this. So I'm just going to buy it. Why would I ever do that? But they're getting to the point now they have such aggressive targets that they're willing to do it because they can execute projects much, much faster. They don't even have to analyze them. They don't have to get approval for them. They just do them because we, we deliver. We say, look, we'll do this project for you and we'll charge you, you know, 20% less for the energy um, mm -hmm. that we deliver. And they are starting to be very interested in that. So that's something I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the one in, obviously, there has been a lot of challenges in Europe uh, over the last few months, first with COVID. Um, you know, Germany is a big market for us, and Germany was the first one that was hit by the, the Omicron wave, so it sort of shut down before a lot of the rest of the world did. And so it's sort of rotating, but right now, uh, restrictions are lifting. I think everybody understands, you know, people just have to deal with it, and we got to move on. A big chunk of the population is, is, is vaccinated in most countries, and if you're not, you're willing to take the risk, so we just have to sort of move on, and that's what we're seeing. That's great. Um, so, so, you know, a challenging last couple of years in a bunch of different ways. Um, but are you, is, is your balance sheet sort of in a position to be able to, you know, sort of grow the way you want it to grow? Or, or you know, what, what can you tell us about sort of your, your cash and just your working capital to continue to? Yeah. Grow? Yeah. Our cat. Yeah. So we've got about 
two and a half million dollars in working capital and two and a half million dollars in cash. Um, and so, yeah, we're we're pretty comfortable where we are. We haven't uh, at this point. We strategically decided not, uh, you know, to reduce our sale our our um, employees base. So we kept our current employees because it's a very uh, skilled group of employees that we have. It's either engineers or salespeople or also engineers. It takes us a long time to train them. We spent the last several years getting them up to speed. So strategically, we haven't lost anybody, um, and. So we're we're in a very strong position to hit the ground running. There's a like I said, there's this huge backlog, not order backlog, but backlog of business. These projects uh, that we're developing. So the engineers are busy, um, and we're in a very strong position to sort of ramp up to uh, more than the the, the pre-COVID levels of performance. Mm -hmm. um, you, you touched on it a couple times in the presentation. Um, you know, sort of the, the three-year payback or the two to five-year payback. I mean, I just, it sticks out in my mind right now that the, the, the rapid change in natural gas prices, um, I mean, clearly now it's, it's way more, um, uh, you know, the, the returns are much more significant. I, I just, how do you, how do you, <laughs> how do you message that to, to potential customers or is it, is it so obvious that, that you don't have to? Um. Well, you don't. We you do and you don't because generally, what we what we found over the years is we can have our own view of um, of where nat where natural gas prices are going and where energy prices are going. But usually, when we do, uh, not usually, always when we do projects, we ask them, "What are you budgeting for your your energy costs?" Mm -hmm. So when you see those paybacks, that's there. Whatever they are budgeting, whatever they are mm -hmm. assuming the energy costs will be, that's what we use. So we don't, and that avoids us having to convince them that the prices should be higher like that's because they're compelling without, regardless of what right. number you use, it's a, usually a compelling return. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I'll tell you another thing, Paul, that, you know, you say two to five year paybacks, it's pretty, pretty compelling. But if historically, if it wasn't a sort of two to five year payback, they weren't, they weren't that interested because, you know, they, they limited capital, they can either invest it in energy efficiency or they can invest it in something else, right. um, you know, growing the company, putting in a new line. But now with the price of carbon and, the, and their carbon emission reduction targets, what we're seeing is they have, you know, one hurdle for normal CapEx and a different hurdle for carbon emission reduction CapEx. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we are working on a project right now with one of our four top key customers um, that has a 10-year payback. And our corporate champion says, you know, he said he, they're going to pay us to develop it because he thinks he can get it approved. He believes mm -hmm. that for when it comes to carbon emissions, he can get it, he can get it approved. And, 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 and the other thing that people have to keep in mind is that, um, you know, 90% of the energy that's used at industrial site on the industrial sector is thermal energy. It's a fuel that they're burning. Mm -hmm. Only 10% is electricity. What gets a lot of the press is the renewables, you know, renewable electricity, wind and solar. Most of these guys have already met their targets for electricity. That's already got, but they, they can't, the thermal side is much more challenging. And that's really what they're focused on, uh, focused on now. Yeah, good point. Um, something I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of. That, that's, that's a really good point. You're right. It's hard to replace uh thermal heat with anything that uh with anything yeah uh, i mean sort of electric electricity generated yeah. it's, it's not a grid where you can just sort of buy credits or buy green yeah. electricity you can't do any of that you got to do it on site every site has to come up with a solution for yeah. uh for their uh, to reduce their carbon on the thermal side yeah 
Now, you, you mentioned some challenges. Uh, why, why don't we talk a little bit more about that? I mean, there's, there's a you know, variety of challenges, everything from manpower to getting equipment and getting, you know, raw material, you know, getting, you know, moving people around, things like that. Why don't, why don't we just sort of give us your sort of top two or three challenges that the business is facing right now? Yeah, pro pro probably the top challenge is um, moving people around and material. Um, you know, we, you know, we price our product. I mean, we, you know, we always have, when we do a project, we have, you know, price controls, but it's just getting that product, actually sourcing it. So um, we use a lot of stainless steel. So our stainless steel supplier in the U.S., where he used to be able to provide us stuff in a, in a, in a month, and now it's sort of three months lead time before he can get us the product. That's what's causing a, causing a big delay. On the, on the labor side, um, you know, I saw a study a few months, a couple of months ago, and they said the single highest, uh, where they have seen the single highest wage inflation was in science and technology sector, uh, which is us, unfortunately. So we did, um, when we went through, we have a great group of employees. When we went through the, the worst of COVID, everybody took, uh, you know, a 15% pay cut. But uh, back at this fall, when we, knock on wood, we thought we were coming out of it. Um, we paid them back that 15% and we caught them up. So, you know, our results right now, you know, the last quarter that we, we presented, the results, are the, the loss is a bit higher than it has been historically for that reason. Because again, strategically, we didn't want to lose our, any, any key staff. And so we thought we had to pay them because that's what we were seeing in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, very tight demand for, for skilled labor and very tight demand for, uh, for commodities. Um, those are the two biggest things that are, that are affecting us for sure. Um, looking forward, um, what, what do you think your sort of, what, what does 2022 look like for you guys? What, what, where do you see, you know, or where should investors focus a little bit more to understand what you guys look like going, going forward in the business? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's the, you really look at the two things that I focus on here. The custom equipment is growing very well. Orders are way up compared to where they were. Be so, so revenue will catch up. Revenue is already up, but it will catch because we've got the orders in. It's just a matter of you know, getting the material and get the, getting the product out the door. And so the other thing is the turnkey solutions. Um, you know, we're, we got 14 projects under uh, uh, paid development. And, and paid development isn't the only project. Some projects you know, we don't need to, to develop, we can just do. So there's is orders that come in without that. But we got 14 projects in paid development. You know, I, I can't say what that'll result in, but I can tell you that, you know, when we looked at the data, <laughs> we said our hit rate was about 70% on paid development projects. Our projects are usually, you know, one to $2 million each. And, you know, it was on average about a year after we got the paid, uh, the project, after we developed the project that we got the order. So mm -hmm. that sort of gives you a, a, you know, a sense of what 14 projects and paid development represents. Gotcha. And just in general, like, um, we always sort of ask investors, what, what sort of catalysts or, or metrics should we be watching for? Apart from, you know, the, the project here, or the project there, is there anything else that we should you know, keep close eye on to, to see that everything's sort of executing. Well, we, we are going to start, we, we started reporting the, um, the project development. So really it is the PDAs, 
because that is that is the uh, that's an early indicator of peat recovery and pro big project orders. Uh, so that's it, and the energy prices, obviously, mm -hmm. energy and carbon. Those are the the three things that I you know energy and carbon prices is what I look at yeah. um, for sure. And you know, just I mentioned just today, I can't remember that I said this in the presentation, but I just saw it just before I got on the call. Um, you know, Germany in particular, big market for us. I think something like 40% of their energy, 40% of their natural gas comes from Russia. And they've set a target to reduce that by two thirds, reduce their dependence on Russian natural gas by two thirds by the end of 2022. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way they can do that is, you know, A, get liquefied natural gas mm -hmm. and B, you know, do uh, energy efficiency. And that's what they said. There's yeah. three things they want to do. Energy efficiency, sustainability, and liquefied natural gas. So, mm -hmm. and, and with energy efficiencies, they, they said they want, they were going to add more incentives. So they have to help their companies get off it. So we see that, you know, it's terrible, but it's, yeah. it's good news for us. Right. So, yeah. So, so clearly that, uh, again, that, that is something I think it makes sense to watch out for is any of these uh, European countries instituting, you know, direct incentives that are going to drive even more um, uh, sort of demand for, for these type of uh, right. products. Yeah. Demand to re either reduce energy and reduce yeah. carbon. It's those are the two things, you know, right. and uh, for sure right now, energy prices are so high. They don't need to do anything. They don't price of carbon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, it makes know. sense. Oh, this is great. Um, like I said, I, it seems like you guys are well positioned in, in terms of a very timely uh, issue right now. Um, Bill, is there any other key message or sort of parting message you want to make sure everybody walks away with today? Yeah, just that, listen, I feel very, uh, you know, when I look at it, um, you know, we are building back better and we're, we're, we are approaching pre-COVID levels of performance, but I'll be honest, and and probably a lot of people in this boat, it's taken a lot longer than I ever imagined when we started this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we started building back and spending more money sort of uh, six or eight months ago, because that's when we saw it ending. And that's when we thought, we thought it would end. And of course, then you had the Omicron and that sort of set us back a bit. So, you know, it's just to say it hasn't gone the way we wanted it. I don't think it's gone the way anybody's wanted it. Uh, it's taken longer than we thought, but it continues to build positively. So the outlook continues to get better. It just keeps, it's just taking longer to, uh, to come to fruition for sure, from my standpoint. So it's, it's frustrating, but you know, every day we seem to think the market gets a little bit better for us and the outlook looks a little bit better, but mm -hmm. we need to get those orders in. So, so that's what we're focused on. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, well, listen, well, thank you. Um, now, if anybody wanted more information on the business, um, what, what website or what, uh, what's the point of contact? How best yeah. should they reach out? Everything, everything they need, whether they want to contact directly or they need information is at uh, thermalenergy.com. Perfect. Thermalenergy.com. Well, this has been great. Well, Bill, thank you. Thank you as always uh, for joining us. We've been speaking with Bill Crossland, uh, CEO of Thermal Energy International, uh, TMG on the Venture Exchange. Um, well, uh, Bill, I want to thank you again for joining us today and uh, look forward to catching up with you in the uh, near future. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Trevor. And thanks everyone for their interest. And uh, don't hesitate to, uh, to reach out to me if you have, uh, have any further questions. You Take don't. care. Thank you.